morning, turn in your copy of God's Word to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. If you want to use the Pew Bible in front of you, it's page 1055. So turn in your copy of God's Word or turn on your devices or turn into the Pew Bible to 2 Timothy 1. And that's a, actually a wrong, on the bulletin, that is wrong. That is totally my fault, not anybody else's fault. That is my fault. It's 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 18. So that is where we are today. So if you want to use the bulletin to take notes, you can do that as well. Just a couple quick things before I start. First of all, we do want to acknowledge, uh, no, just in concern, the rapture has not happened and people have not been taken and their shoes left behind. Um, these are the Whitaker families who is in Salt Lake City, Utah, visiting uh, our um, missionary there, uh, Redeeming Life Church. They're worshiping there. We'll be probably with the time distance here in a few hours, difference, I mean. And so uh, they are doing missions, ministry, sharing the gospel and caring and loving for our uh, missionary there. And so uh, just pray for them. They are having at Redeeming Life a 94-year-old man being baptized this morning. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, amen. Uh, God, is, God is still saving. God is still moving. It's not too late, but thankfully this person has come to Christ and will live the rest of their life uh, redeemed as a child of God. So we're thankful for that. Um, also, just want to let you, please remind you that next Sunday, this is very important, extremely important, uh, because this is a huge outreach that we do to our community every year. And especially uh, that what we do with um, uh, reaching out to our community, uh, we wanna do it well. And so uh, our trunk or treat is next Sunday. We will probably have between two to 300 families uh, show up. Uh, and they'll all show up right at four o'clock and there'll be a big bum rush and you know, everything will seem like a, a like, you know, crazy, but that first hour or so uh, will be wild. But this is just an opportunity to get people on our grounds, uh, see our church, get their information, uh, let them know that we love them and care for them. And uh, all we need you to do, we need about 15, probably uh, 15 more trunks. Now, what does that mean? Well, uh, you can have an SUV, a truck, a van, a car, a whatever, and uh, just decorate the back, and you sit there in a lawn chair or whatever you've got, a camping chair, and just hand out candy. Bring your own candy. We'll also have some candy, but we're generous with candy, and that's all we do. And in the midst of that, we'll, we'll hand out information about our Christmas stuff, and we'll hand out about information about our church and stuff, but we need you to sign up. So if you have not signed up today, or if you've never done this before, let me tell you, it is very easy, uh, it, is, it is super easy, and we need you to be a part of it. Uh, this is what the Dobbins family does. Used to, uh, you know, we'd get all creative, we'd go on Pinterest and all this stuff and get all these ideas. This is literally what the Dobbins family does every year. We about, well, this is four o'clock, so about 3.15 next Sunday, I'm going to go to my porch and take the mums off my porch, the little scarecrow, maybe a wreath, and I'm going to throw it in the back of the trunk, and that's literally all I'm going to do. So, and so if you want to do that, you can even buy a dollar 
tablecloth from the dollar store and hang it up across your tailgate or whatever. It is, the decoration is fun and some of you guys get really involved and want to win the prize for best decoration. Please do that, be creative, do all that stuff. Uh, that's for people who are, you know, like, you know, people who are highly motivated. I'm not highly motivated about de- decorating the truck. You do it. If you're decorated, do it. Man, do it up. Get, you know, hire out, you know, Alan might be for hire. He might design something for you. I don't know. Do it. And, uh, and then, but, but the rest of us, let's show up, just hand out candy because the kids will remember some of the decorations sometimes. But what do they care about? The candy, right? Okay, so just show up. We need about 10 to 15, ideally 15 more. So uh, Christy is going to be outside in the foyer. Stop by, sign up, let her know that you're gonna, she can count on you. If you've never done it before, if you're a guest, a visitor, want to just do a community service, if you've got a kid that wants to get some, uh, you know, what's that, National Honor Society hours, uh, whatever, just do it. It's fun. We have fun. It's going to be a cool day. Um, we have fun talking amongst ourselves. And so please do that. Sign up um, today. So that's against, I know that'll be an announcement later, but I wanted to say that because some people get freaked out about decorating. I don't freak out. Okay. I don't freak out a blanket and a scarecrow and some mums, and I'm done. Okay. All right. Commercial over. All right, we're going to talk today about don't be ashamed of the gospel. Second Timothy, talking about the legacy that we will leave. Uh, we want to think about how our lives, how we pass to the next generation, how we live our lives now. Think about what the, the next generation of Christians are looking to us and thinking, how do we live faithfully? How do we uphold the gospel? How are we Christians faithfully in an ever-increasing world that is uh, contrary to the gospel, contrary to the scriptures, and even opposed actively to the gospel and to the Bible. So how do we live? Well, today we're going to look at a, a section of the scripture that Paul speaks to Timothy, that speaks to the church at Ephesus, that now, uh, 2,000 years later, is speaking to us that we should not be ashamed of the gospel. So if you would read along with me and your devices, Bible, whatever, uh, let's do that in verse 8. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner. Instead, sharing the suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, and who has abolished death and has brought, um, excuse me, who was given to us Christ Jesus before time began. Uh, This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher. And that is why I suffer these things. But I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us and know that in all those in the province of Asia have deserted me, including Vigilus and Hermogenes, 
May the Lord grant mercy on the household of Onesiphorus, because he has often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he diligently searched for me and found me. May the Lord grant that he obtained mercy from him on that day. You know very well how much he ministered at Ephesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your word. We are enriched by your word. We are given life by your word. And so, Lord, we come today not to sit and know just to, uh, just, to, just to come and receive. We know, Lord, that when we do come to receive, that, Lord, you are giving us life, life to change, life to change our hearts and minds. And so, Lord, I pray today as we meet with your word that it is not just one day, oh, Lord, we're, we're thankful when we read these scriptures today, but instead, Lord, through your spirit and through the truth of your word, you change us that we're never a saint, the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. So the other night, uh, Franklin and I got to go down to Louisville to see, live and in person, the YouTube sensation, Dude Perfect. Now, if you have kids or grandkids that are 16 and years below or 18, you probably know who they are. These are guys who were friends in college who uh, started to do... Uh, trick shot videos when they were in college and then uh, have, have grown to sketch comedy and all sorts of different things. And they have lines of basketball and sports products and different things, but their YouTube channel is, is kind of their deal. They have over 56 million subscribers and their estimated net worth now is $50 million. Uh, what is important about that? Well, when we go, they, they put on this great show of competition and throwing footballs and basketball trick shots and, uh, and racing on trikes and all these different things. And it, it was a fun, entertaining night. Uh, but the most important thing that I thought was the best part of the night for me as a dad was Ty came up at the end and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he said, you know, we're named Dude Perfect, but we can all admit that none of us are perfect and that all of us have received the things that the world promises like wealth and fortune and fame, but we understand that none of that answers the problem that's in our lives, such as Jesus Christ. And he shared about how that, you know, that through Jesus Christ, you can be saved. I was very impressed by that because uh, I don't know if they're the perfect examples of Christians. I don't know their lives. I don't know if there'll be a scandal three weeks from now. I don't, I don't know any of those things. But I do know that it was an impact arena in Louisville. That's something that they get attention from media and all sorts of different things. And I thought it was pretty amazing that they're willing to risk subscribers, money, uh, attention, cancel culture, and everything else to talk about Jesus. And, and in this world that they have declared and said that they're going to stand for Jesus in their life. You know, we, it is admittedly, we know, not easy to stand for Jesus today. Uh, at the risk of being called a bigot, Bible, cleaners, uh, Bible clingers, or uneducated, it is seemingly more and more, if we to say that we're Christians, uh, that we either live in fear of what could happen to us. There is actual persecution that is given to us, but we know that it's not easy today to stand up for faith, for our faith. But we know that globally, 
that it is something that we see believers that are doing across the globe. American Christian right now, the biggest threat that you have uh, in your life could possibly be an Instagram comment that someone says something negative about you. Or maybe that someone might lose a job or, or someone might, uh, might not like you or talk to you anymore. But let's take our, our minds out of the Western American culture for a minute and realize that the rest of the globe, when a brother or sister in Christ says, I am following Jesus, that immediately puts their life at risk. And a lot of times, shunning from their family. That they, when they count the cost to follow Jesus, they lose a lot, sometimes everything. We are not at that point here in America, but we're heading to that point. And so the question becomes, how are we going to live unashamed of the gospel now when there is some midst of persecution and, and going suffering that is linked to Christianity, knowing that there's more to come? How are we going to be lived faithfully? Today, ask yourself, do you struggle or feel pressure for not talking about the things of Christ? Well, brother and sister, I want you to hear the words of Jesus in Mark 8, 38. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes to the glory of his Father and with his holy angels. Timothy probably under-remembered and thought of these words when he's speaking to Timothy here. Timothy being young, we know he was being timid in some ways. Paul was saying to him, Timothy, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Proclaim the word. Timothy, we, he said just in verse 7, you've been given a power You've been given a, a spirit of power that resides in you. So don't be ashamed of the gospel. In the same way he's saying to you today, don't be ashamed. And consider the fact that you shouldn't be ashamed. Whether it costs you something, that it would cause you to suffer, whether it would cause you to lose something, or if it just makes you feel uncomfortable. Think about Am I unashamed of the gospel now? Well, brother and sister, in the days and years to come, how will we ever spread and proclaim the Christ if we don't learn to do so now? The scriptures are reminding us today to not be ashamed of the gospel, but to stand on it and proclaim it to the world in our lives. So in this passage, there are three ways that we can be unashamed of the gospel. Three ways. Number one, if you're taking notes on your bulletin or on your phone or whatever, number one, stand in the testimony of the gospel. The beginning of verse eight, there is, there's actually three commands that are listed throughout here in this text. Uh, there's maybe one more, but three. The first one is, so don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner. This is the first one. Timothy he is saying, Paul is saying to Timothy, do not be ashamed of the gospel, neither of the testimony of our Lord or me as his messenger. Now, he is saying this to say there are people that were saying, I am ashamed to proclaim Jesus because why would I proclaim or live 
for some leader, religious leader, who had been crucified. Why would I stand for this leader, Paul, who is in prison right now for proclaiming Jesus? If these people were who they said they were, then Jesus wouldn't have been crucified and Paul wouldn't be in chains. They were thinking that this testimony nullified the truth about Jesus. But as we see 1 Timothy 6.13 that we read uh, earlier in the previous letter that Jesus had made a testimony that Paul says that we can trust in. The testimony that he made before Pontius Pilate that I am the king of the Jews. I am the son of God. This is the testimony of Jesus Christ that brothers and sisters, we stake our lives on and that we should not be ashamed because we know that Jesus is who he says he is and that he didn't stay crucified, but three days later was resurrected and is alive today. This testimony of Jesus is a great confession of faith that he indeed is Lord. Now, the world will reject this claim, will reject because he was crucified, but there is, we understand that in that day, there was nothing worse that could be done. It was used by the Roman Empire to shut down those who would come against them, but it was more than a punishment. It was a public, shameful humiliation that they were strewn on a cross, nailed by their feet and hands, naked before all the world to see that if you come against power, so will be like you. But in this, Jesus Christ did what was foolish to man, became wise for us. In that he gave his life so that we could live. It was his sacrifice, God's plan from eternity past, that he was sacrificed on the cross so that all the, the sins of the world would be paid for. And it was in this we understand in 1 Corinthians 4.10, for we know we are fools for Christ, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are extinguished, but we are dishonored. We know that even though that, that the world would say that we are fools for Christ, we know in Christ we're truly wise. If you've been truly born of the Spirit, then you don't need to be reminded to not be ashamed of the testimony of Christ or of the people who follow him like Paul. But this happens, right? We see it in the scripture. Peter denied Jesus three times. Demas, who Paul writes about in the first letter of Timothy, uh, or later in this letter of Timothy, uh, loves the world more than he loved Christ. Later in these scriptures, we'll talk about some more people who rejected Christ. But Paul says, you believer, you Christian should not be ashamed. This is his refrain from Romans chapter 1, verse 16, when he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. Brothers and sisters, we know we're not ashamed because we know in the gospel, in the testimony of Jesus is life. It is our hope, it is our faith, and therefore, if we know that Jesus in his proclamation of the gospel, his work on the cross, his resurrection, is our hope and faith, and knowing that it is what brings us from death to life as Christians, we should never be ashamed of this. And we know 
that unfortunately sometimes we are. Some of us can be ashamed because maybe we are, are, it's our natural temperament that we are shy or timid like Timothy. But we are told in the previous verse, it doesn't matter what our natural tendency is, what lives within you. The spirit of power lives in us. The Holy Spirit, one not of weakness, but of strength and power. So we can never allow our temperament to prevent us from publicly owning Christ as Savior and Lord. Now, some of us who are maybe more introverted than others do it in a different way. Some of us who are, uh, you know, uh, extroverted and loud mouthed can do it in many different ways, stand up on a stage or do an act or, or do something very easy. But those who are introverted still can share the gospel one-on-one in a conversation with the person. The reality is there should be nothing that holds us back because of the spirit of Christ that lives within us. But also sometimes we are ashamed of the gospel because we too highly value the opinion of others than of the testimony and the wonder of Christ. The fear of man invades all of our hearts and minds that we are more concerned about what others think But the scripture tells us again and again that we should not be more concerned about man, but of God. That is what Paul says. Should I be worried about you or should I be worried about what God says? John Stott observed this, that we are all more sensitive to public opinion than we like to admit and tend to bow down too readily before its pressure like reeds shaken by the wind. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you. I know that it is not easy to speak the truths of the faith. But we have the testimony of the risen Lord. We have the power of Christ that is in us. So why should it matter? We should be regarded as more what other God thinks, not what others think. So don't be ashamed of the testimony of what Christ and what he says and who he says he is. Secondly, be willing to suffer because of the power of the gospel. We should be willing to suffer because of the power of the gospel. The end of, of verse 8 says, instead, share in the suffering of the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which is given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed as a herald and apostle and teacher. That is why I suffer these things. But I'm not ashamed because I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he is able to guard what is entrusted to me till that day. Paul has told Timothy, and instead, and for us, that instead of being timid or ashamed, we instead should be willing to suffer even for the sake of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God to save. That if we believed in something that was inconsequential, it would, it would be okay for us to maybe be timid. But instead, we believe in the words of life, the thing that is the power to save, the gospel that is good news for us, 
that we know that has been shared and given through the gospel of Jesus Christ that we are saved. These are very words of life that there is no other way to be saved. Not by how we work and not from a special knowledge, but instead, what does Paul say? To the grace, his work on our behalf that has been given to us. Now, the gospel is not very popular in this world. There are churches, some churches, too many churches. For those who are only listening to the audio of this, I was doing air quotes around those churches who would soften or change or move around the gospel to be more palatable. There are some Christians who even reject the gospel and make up a new gospel because it goes against their sensitivity or sensibility of this age because within the gospel, there are some offensive nature about the gospel. You see, the gospel is good news, right? I mean, that's what evangelion, the word gospel means, means good news. So there is good news. But what is it good news about? It's got to be something good news, meaning that there was something bad happening for there to be good news. Well, what was the bad news? The bad news is that in our sin, all of us are unrighteous. None of us are perfect. All of us are sinners. And because of that, God had to act on our behalf. So many people reject this gospel. Many people say, well, that, you know, this modern sensibility of, of saying, well, that, yeah, uh, my truth is my truth, that you shouldn't say what is sinful. You're too judgy. This Christianity is too harsh. Truly, there must be only a God of love who will make everything work out in the end. But what those people and what that idea does not understand is this, that is actually the gospel that fully enlightens or brings up God's wrath against sin and purely upholds God's love. There's no other way to mix it together to bring out the perfection of the character of God than in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it tells us that we are both sinners and that God is wrathful against his sin, therefore upholding his holiness perfectly, but also showing the amount of perfected love that we didn't even have to love God first. We didn't even have to earn his love that God sacrificed his son on our behalf for us. Brothers and sisters, that is where holiness and love meets in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or as Tim Keller, I call the gospel Gandalf, has put it together in a phrase that you will hear from me and we've seen often, but I want to expand how we can understand this better. The gospel is this. We're more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. This is the only kind of relationship that will really transform us. Love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information 
but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. God's saving love in Christ, however, is marked by both radical truthfulness about who we are and yet also radical, unconditional commitment to us. The merciful commitment strengthens us to see the truth about ourselves and repent. And the conviction and repentance moves us to cling and rest in God's mercy and grace. Brothers and sisters, that is how we know that the gospel answers us perfectly. Who we are as sinful humanity and as God's love perfecting grace. You see, we know that God created the world and he loves image bearers. He created humanity, Adam and Eve. And at the end, it says that it was very good. God loves humanity. But in the same way, humanity rejects God. That Adam and Eve rejected God and every one of the descendants has since. Anytime we reject his nature, his, his, his commands, his scripture, his ways for our lives, we are rejecting him. And the Bible says because of sin, the wage of it or the payment is death. Because of that, we receive death. Not just physical death, though that is a consequence of sin, but a spiritual one as well. Our souls for eternity are either condemned to death in hell or to life in heaven. But the good news of this is that God did not leave us where we are that God loves his people, his elect, his people in a special way, in a different way, in a, in a way because he gave his son to die for them. And that those who have received Christ receive his righteousness and are joint heirs with Jesus. Therefore, in the end days, in judgment, that we will stand with Christ and live for eternity, even though we don't deserve it. Brothers and sisters, that is the good news of Jesus. And believers, for you, you know this is true in your life. You know that you have received this good news. You know what your life was like before Christ. You know that you were spinning your wheels trying to get this God in heaven to to. to uh, come to you and, and receive you and, and, and work for you and, and you realize you came that either that you were burning yourself out trying to earn God's favor or you thought that your sin was so deep there is no way that God would ever love you and instead God met you, you saw the good news of Jesus and you were born again and you've been welcomed into his home. If you're a believer, this is your truth. This is who you are. And there is now no reason under heaven for you to be ashamed for it. There should be no reason why you wouldn't say, no matter what suffering will come for the name of Jesus, I will go through it because his name is great and in his work in me is greater. And whatever happens to me because of the name of Jesus, I'm willing to do because I know the worst that this world can throw at me, the hope of eternity is worth it all. And being with Jesus and being, his, being 
co-heirs with him and being with God for eternity is worth no matter what this world will give me. So whether it would cost you your job, whether it would make you lose some friends, or it would possibly cause you to lose your life, you say to the world, bring it on because I have a savior who loves me. 2 Timothy 1.12, this is such, I mean, how beautiful is this that he says this? And this is why I suffer these things. But I am not shamed because I know whom I've believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to guard what he has entrusted to me until that day. It's either the message of the gospel that Paul is preaching or the deposit of gospel that's in our lives. God is going to keep it until that day, amen? That we know what he has begun in us, he will complete. Is there any greater news than that? Believer, don't be ashamed. Don't back down. When there's a conversation about spiritual things and they start to branch off over here into into, uh, saying false things about Christianity, don't, don't just let it happen. And love and kindness, but with truth, declare the good news of Jesus. God has planted you there as his ambassador to bring the truth of the gospel. But maybe you're not a believer today. Or maybe you've stumbled onto our video somehow in, 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 the, in uh, the, uh, the intranet. You've stumbled onto the video today and you're looking about Christianity and, and wondering that you don't know if God truly loved you. Well, I hope today in thinking through and listening to these words that Paul has given us, that you would understand that God does love you. That even if you are a sinner and you pull open the pages of scripture and found the list of sins and you would say, I, I am all of these and more, that you would also say that you could open the scriptures or that you would hear today that Jesus gave his life for you, that he loves you so much, that he died for your sin, that the good news is, is that if you would just repent and believe today, You would be God's child and you would receive all this same love. Turn to him and believe today. Turn and believe and not be ashamed of this. And even if there's something that's keeping you, your family or or pressure from others, hear this truth, believe this truth, be changed by this truth. Jesus is Lord, he died for you and he can be yours today. Number three, hold tight to the truth of the gospel. Verse 13 through 18 says this. Hold to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me and in the faith and love that is in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that all those in the province of Asia have deserted me, including Phagelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onis, excuse me, Onisirus, oh, I had it earlier. You know it is, big O name. Because he often refreshed me 
and was not ashamed by my chains. See, the Christian faith we need to stand true in. It says first, stand in the, the sound teaching. It means sound doctrine. Paul is saying, the teaching, the words that I have given to you, you need to stand in this. Uh, the, the words uh, really mean uh, an outline of a sketch, almost like a blueprint. Paul is saying, stand in this. This is the way of life. This is how you know to be saved. This is how you know that you are to be lived. Stand on these words. And then he said to guard it. The verb there to guard means to guard something that is so it's not lost or damaged. To, 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 in a way to keep the palace from marauders or thieves coming in. That you are to guard it with its truth. Not soften its edges. Not change it to make you feel better. Not to make it, not to, to, to change it so that it would be a, a prosperity gospel or a works-based gospel. But just the grace of in Christ alone through faith alone that you can be saved. Guard it. One commentator says that, that it is almost like that we need to guard this in our lives, in our churches, in our family, in such a way that we would not let anything happen to it. Consider it in this way, that someone who was entrusted with the Mona Lisa, this famous, wonderful, beautiful painting that has lasted the centuries, that someone had to guard it and keep it right. What if the person that was keeping the Mona Lisa decided that they were looking at it one day and said, you know what, I saw Bob Ross on PBS the other day and, you know, I think um, Mona Lisa here needs a little uh, happy little tree tattoo or, uh, you know, some little other thing and they would alter it or change it in such a way that it would be totally different from the way the artist made it. Brothers and sisters, in the same way, we need to guard the deposit of the gospel, that we should live in a way that we believe the gospel and that we, are in, that we, are, we live faithfully to the scriptures. And that Paul says that we are empowered by the spirit. He says in Romans chapter eight, verse nine through 11, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, then if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if the Christ is in you, the, dead, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit lives in Christ because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Brothers and sisters, Trust in the truths of the gospel and guard that deposit because of the deposit of the spirit of God that lives in you. Now we see different examples. Pajalus and Hermogenes rejected and said, I'm not gonna go around with this Paul fellow. Look at him, he's in prison. This, this Jesus guy doesn't make sense. And they ran away and rejected. But Onesiphorus, see I said it. Onesiphorus longed to be with Paul. And it says, grant the household of Onesiphorus because he refreshed me. Onesiphorus hunted Paul down. Maybe he took him food or Maybe took him belongings or letters of encouragement, but whatever Onesiphorus did, he encouraged Paul, no matter the cost. And if Onesiphorus 
Okay, you know what I'm saying. Went into the belly of the beast Rome. Could have been imprisoned himself. But he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. He wasn't ashamed of Paul. So ask yourself, what example are you? Do you line up with the jealous or homogenies who are ashamed of the gospel, who slink back, who barely speak up, who would rather be loved by the world? Or would you be like Onesiphorus, who wasn't ashamed, who lived for the gospel, who was willing to put themselves out to serve, love, and refresh the servants of God? Brothers and sisters, we should hold tight to the truth of the gospel. And we have seen that the gospel is good news of salvation, promised from eternity, secured by Christ in time, offered to faith. So our first duty is to communicate the gospel, that we should use old and new ways to speak the truth of Jesus. If we do so, we will undoubtedly suffer for it. For the authentic gospel has never been popular and it humbles the sinner too much. And when we are called to suffer for the gospel, we are tempted to trim it, to eliminate those elements where it are offensive, to mute the notes in which the jar on sensitive modern ears. But we must resist this temptation, for we are to guard the gospel, keeping it pure whatever the cost, and preserving it against corruption. Brothers and sisters, guard it faithfully, spread it actively, suffer for it bravely, for this is our duty to be unashamed of the gospel. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this day that we could come into your word. And I pray that, Lord, this word has been delivered fresh to a, a believer right now. Maybe a, a student who is uh, being pressured in school to not speak up for Jesus. Maybe it's an adult who is being pressured at their workplace. Maybe it's someone who just knows that they've been too quiet for too long and missed too many opportunities to share the gospel. Or maybe it's someone, Lord, that you have, are using and, and, and using the spirit to encourage them to be a part of gospel to every home, and yet our timidity is holding us back. God, I pray this morning that you, through your word, would help us to be unashamed of the gospel. And that, Lord, that there may be someone here or at home watching or listening that would say, I have been I've been ashamed to trust in Christ, either because of my own sin or what it would cost. I pray, Lord, that, that you would reveal to them the beauty, the joy, the gift, and the love that is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you would open their hearts and their minds, and today would be their day of salvation, that they would trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.